When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Real Vision Podcast Network. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. If I'm wearing a necktie, you already know what day it is. It's TG Tuesday, November 16, 2021. I'm Ash Bennington, joined very shortly by Tony Greer. A few points to hit at the top of the show. What's happening in markets right now? Retail sales rose 1.7% in October. Uh, this is for all items and excluding autos up. Uh, biggest increase since March, fastest rise since the 1990s. Industrial production, a bit of a surge for the month of October, up one spot, 6% for the month. Some volatility in those numbers. September had shown a decline of 1.3%. Let's take a look here. It looks like U.S. equity markets relatively flat on the day. Uh, S&P 500 closing out looks like almost exactly 4,700. 4,700 spot 98. That's up about 0.4% on the day. NASDAQ, big mover up three quarters of a percent, about 120 points uh, to close just shy, it looks like, of the 16,000 mark, 15,970 Three cryptocurrency off on the day. Uh, it looks like uh, it looks like a, one of the uh, one of the worst days here we've had. Uh, I think biggest dips in September. Let's hit these numbers here. Bitcoin at fifty nine thousand nine hundred, almost fifty nine thousand nine hundred. Even Ethereum that's off. By the way, I should say about six percent on a trailing twenty four hour basis, uh, and about minus eleven percent seven days. So a little bit uh, of a significant sell off there. Ethereum. Uh, it is down to 4,213. That's minus 7.5% trailing 24 hours and off. Uh, nearly 12% on the week, <laughs> trailing seven days, minus 11.8%. Uh, Let's bring Tony into the conversation. Tony Greer, welcome back to the show. Ash, how are you doing, my man? How's everything all right? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Tell me, what are you looking at, Tony? Uh, you know, let's riff on your, um, you know, noting of the industrial production numbers beating uh, and retail sales beating month over month for October of 1.7%. A lot of that feeds into the cyclical recovery story that the market wants to try to buy into. Uh, I think it reminds you why the retail sector is up 61% uh, year to date, leading every other sector pretty much. Um, including oil and gas, which is up 55 to 60 percent, depending on what measure you use. Um, but I see a super healthy rotation in the markets. I'm not shocked that we're scratching the all-time high. Um, you know, once again, after a little bit of a dip last week, um, you know, a big mover on in the you know in driving markets has been the dollar. You know, the dollar moved, uh, the dollar rally, dollar index rallied about 85 basis points last week, which is a huge move. It's rallied 75 basis points this week in two sessions, obviously an even bigger move. So, um, you know, what that has done, it has rattled the com commodity complex a little bit, uh, but the commodity complex continues to show that there's strength underneath. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways we can go with this, Ash. You want to go the commodity route, the equity route, the interest rate route? Try to guide me which way we want to go first, because there's a lot to talk about. 
I don't know, man, all of the above. But let me just say real quick on Dixie DXY, uh, it looks like closing out the day here around 95, spot 94, just shy of the 96 level. Boy, you look at a six-month chart of DXY, uh, it's just up and to the right. Yeah, it's compelling. You know, it's, it's rallying off the lows below 90. Um, you know, it seems to be at the expense of the euro, at the expense of cable, at the expense of the Aussie dollar, which all recently backed off with this strong dollar move. Um, you know, it, it's probably speaks to a little bit of the politicization of what's going on. Um, a little bit of it has to do with ESG, I think. A little bit has to do with uh, exploding natural gas prices and really going into the winter for Europe with a major energy predicament. You know, they've got natural gas um, inventories are well below 10-year averages there. We just got some forecasts for a cold spell of weather in the next several weeks. As you know, the um, Nord 2 pipeline was uh, just ran into some difficulties. Germany suspended um, the next set of steps for it to get put um, to be implemented. And so now we've got natural gas prices spiking again because that's really the only relief valve that they have. So what does that do? It lends a very positive tone to the energy complex once again, which is sort of towards the top of our screens um, once again today. And you're seeing some breakouts that speak to that, you know, industrial production route, uh, number beating consistently decent economic data. And, you know, you're seeing industrial sectors like home builders break out to a new all time high as we speak today, up two percent being led by. Hold on to your hat, a 6% breakout rally in Home Depot and a 4% rally in Lowe's. Um, so very real what's going on in that sector, likely due to the fact that 30-year rates are pinned to a pretty low, uh, pinned below 2%, uh, while the rest of the curve continues to kind of grind its way higher in terms of yields. So as long as the equity market can live with this balance of yields going higher, interpreting more inflation, the dollar rallying and not derailing the commodity complex. I mean, we've got a pretty sharp uh, inflection point here in the inflation trade, I would say. I would imagine that if the dollar just backs off a little bit in a trade dynamic fashion, you're going to see commodities take off like a bat out of hell again. Yeah, you know, speaking of the dollar, a little bit of uh, FX trader talk there. Cable, of course, is GBP USD. That's British pound sterling versus the dollar, uh, trading right now at about a buck. 34. You did a little bit of an overview on what's happening in the energy complex. Let's deep dive there. Obviously, NatGas very much catching a bid today. Tell me what you see when you think about this. You framed it out a little bit from the geopolitical angle. Obviously, some challenges in Europe getting uh, enough supply online. Uh, as we know that they're closing down coal-fired power plants there, that makes them even more vulnerable uh, to basically supply disruptions uh, from, uh, from well, some of their neighbors, let's just say. Uh, give us a little bit of a sense on what's happening there. Yeah, Ash, um, it's a dangerous situation in terms of them securing power for the winter. It's as simple as that. You know, with, with the attack on fossil fuel supply and the reliance on alternative forms of energy, um, they are running into the predicament of dwindling natural gas stockpiles and then the inability to fire um, to power up their power plants with this natural gas because supply is rallying, prices getting away from them. They need to secure physical gas to burn their plants. And that's causing a problem for the entire, you know, 
energy ecosystem, but also for the economies over there. It looks like every time you read that story where, whoa, we've got a power predicament here in the UK heading into winter, um, cold weather forecast, not a lot of fossil fuel supply to heat that place. And I see cable falling and I see the euro falling. And whether that's like, you know, a direct narrative of why the euro is falling, it seems to be quite reactionary to this energy story. You know, the last time the dollar started breaking out, it was very much against the backdrop of the power shortages in the UK, colder than expected weather. And we'll see if that happens again. But, you know, th this lends itself to that point that I think we've discussed a little bit, but when does the you know push toward ESG and carbon neutral become so detrimental to your power generation that you're actually freezing people out of their homes, right? So at some point, the political pendulum is going to swing back because people generally don't tolerate freezing. Um, and we're going to have to figure out how to have some sort of another release valve on this. And my sense is if they don't get the Nord 2 pipeline uh, pl plugged in soon and up and running, that we're going to have another runaway train in gas prices. And we haven't even gotten to the cold weather yet. So that's why I see this predicament sort of unfolding as we head into the winter. Natural gas is picking its head up. What happens there is that everybody will pile into as traders and try to exploit this trade. They'll say, well, if we're going to buy natural gas and natural gas is going up, gasoline is rallying, oil's rallying, the whole fossil fuel complex is rallying. We are not long enough that complex either going into this ESG situation. And I think that we can get the energy complex on the run again from here. You know, WTI seems to be consolidating pretty comfortably above $80. Um, we've gone over this dynamic where spreads this wide tend to lean on flat price, where spot price can't rally. And that's been happening so far. So I'm very tuned into that dynamic, Ash. But I'm arguing, again, that it's different this time because we've never been jamming the ESG policy to carbon neutral on the tape in such a hasty way that we are now. Right. There's smarter ways to transition your energy platform. There's smarter ways, um, you know, to to wean yourself off of away from fossil fuels and toward more efficient forms of energy. The way that we're doing it is not the way. So we're going to continue to see shortages, disruptions, heating problems, power generation problems. And that's going to be the narrative that drives the energy markets, quite honestly. Yeah, Tony, very well said. A lot said. Lots of points you made there that are spot on here. Uh, obviously, look at the WTI chart over the last two days. Pretty quiet, as you suggest, consolidating a little bit above 80 bucks a barrel, uh, trading right now at 80 spots, 78. Boy, the politics on this are complicated. Uh, you know, you, you have a lot of issues. Obviously, the ESG narrative. Look, everybody wants uh, clean, sustainable energy. Question is, how long does it take you to get there? What are the challenges that are in the critical path? Obviously, some pretty complex uh, diplomacy and issues with uh, with Russia, with Belarus, uh, Germany. All of these sort of very complicated problems uh, that folks probably here in the U.S. are following a little less closely than they are in Europe. Uh, but it is definitely uh, it's definitely a tricky one. It really is. It really is. You know, the only thing we can do, Ash, is continue to try to stay ahead of it. You know, um, we don't have to rush in and play this commodity trade. But what I've been guiding my clients into is the related equities that seem to be performing really, really well. You know, we got into the home builder sector when it looked like they were going to break out again. When we were talking about that breakouts win week we had at the end of October, uh, the middle of October there. Here we're getting hitting pay dirt for home builders, right? We got good news on the tape for Home Depot and Lowe's driving that sector. 
breakouts continue to win, I think that's the way you got to play the equity market, right? I mean, it looks like home builders just started breaking out to a new level rather than consolidating at one. Retail is still breaking out against good data. The semiconductor sector continues to rally because it's really the supply chain conductor sector. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out once again, which is going to be the lead balloon that really takes the air out of the S&P rally. And I can't find one. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. Yeah. Uh, Tony, talk to us a little bit about Home Depot. This is HD on New York Stock Exchange. Look at that uh, chart, uh, five days there, up about uh, almost 7% over the last five days. Quite a significant move. Uh, what are you seeing and, and what, what are, the, what are you, the, you speculating the drivers on this are, uh, if you're speculating about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we've gotten our clients toward the sector, and it's one I've been bullish and long several times during the year. It's one of those trades that you can get into and out of position the same way and kind of have confidence because it's a secular fundamental trade that's happening. You know, I'll, I'll start off here. Um, you know, the Home Depot story, you know, it's, it's really an independent earnings story, right? They're meeting and beating the earnings to estimates that they're putting out there. Why? Because we've got this massive, massive secular trend toward, number one, moving away from the cities into the suburbs, and number two, people working from home from the pandemic. As it stands, I know a lot of different sectors and a lot of different, you know, kind of quadrants of the economy where people do not want to go back to work. So, you know, the Home Depot story, kind of the narrative for me dovetails perfectly with what's going on. You know, you've got obviously the new home construction and you look over and the home builders are doing fine. They're reporting decent earnings over a quarterly basis. There's a lot of confidence in that sector right now. And you look over at the retailers that supply that sector, Home Depot and Lowe's, and they're crushing earnings and breaking out to new highs. You know, so that's a very easy story for me to call evidence-based investing, right? The fundamental backdrop is there. The secular trend is there. Um, you know, the, the bond market says, we've got your back. We've got 30 years tanking below 2% on a regular basis. Um, you know, to me, that just stimulates the mortgage business. It keeps that flywheel at the banks going. It feeds the bank profits a little bit and keeps them, you know, on a regular pace. And this is just a sector that continues to feed on itself, if you ask me, Ash. You know, every time I think they've reached a point where they've gone so far and they may have to back off, we get another earnings data set from the home builders. They did better than expected. And then we get retailers like this that are just blowing it out of the water. And I have to say, looks like there's another leg to the rally. You know, I don't know how else to play this, but play it like a momentum trade that it looks like. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me throw this out there. Maybe this is significant. Maybe it's just a coincidence, but I'm looking right now at the sector map. Uh, on the day, big winner, consumer discretionary, up one spot, 3-3% on the day. Big loser on the day, uh, real estate down 0 spot, 7%, 0.69. Uh, it's interesting to think about those two things juxtaposed as you're talking about the builders. Yeah, you know, it may be a little bit of where... Um, you know, the real estate sector itself has been pretty firm, I guess, as a hard asset play. And now you just, you know, you have this section situation where, you know, a, a retailer in the space 
beats numbers and the stock takes off because it's set up to take off, you know, and that's what's driving the sector today. And, you know, you look around the tape and like when you ask me what's backing off today, there are two sectors like cannabis and airlines, which kind of have popped up in the last couple of weeks and they're just backing off into the middle of trend. So yeah. kind of when I put this whole thing together, you know, there are still sectors punching new highs, the sectors consolidating. And then there are sectors that are trying to get back on their feet from a dip. But I don't really see a lot of evidence of sectors curling over. Right. I mean, if there was a, if we had a shot at that, we had a chance when Facebook was under pressure as they transferred to Meta and the stock backed off to the 200 day moving average. The whole social media sector got walloped, you know, and next thing you know, Facebook holds the 200 day and rallies 30, 40 bucks and the pressures off that sector and every other sector in tech, especially cybersecurity and software, continue to pl- uh, to plunge a new high every time you look up. So, you know, for me, the sectors, if the sectors that were supposed to back off while rates rally are actually rallying, then we've got a really powerful stock market on our hands, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. And sometimes this is just nothing more complicated than just a mean reversion trade, investors taking some profits where they gain them, uh, and a little bit of uh, stair-stepping back and forth on the way uh, around that rise. Uh, but very interesting, also probably worth pointing out, uh, these are probably some very well-run comp- well companies that are rallying uh, on the builder side uh, as we see that uh, price action to the upside. Tony, I don't know if you got anything else on your tray, but we got a lot of questions coming to us. Anything else you want to hit before we do that? Yeah, I think there's one thing that I want to touch on as I get more and more in lockstep with Bitcoin is that um, I thought, you know, I, we've been saying that since the Paul Tudor Jones froth around 67K, or I've been saying that alongside yep. the ETF launch that we'd have a chance to let the pressure out, right? It turns out I was a little bit early with that call. It seems like there was another flurry in Bitcoin that got it up to 70K. And Ash, to me, it seemed like it went right alongside that NFT craze in New York and a lot of people putting a lot of NFT stuff in front of me. And maybe that had to do with that narrative. And so seeing the president sign a trillion dollar infrastructure bill, which is a pinnacle inflation moment, having the pinnacle inflation security back off on a sell the fact basis is no surprise at all to me. So to me, Bitcoin looks fantastic, even off five, six percent. It fell to the 50 day moving average. I think it's a buy or at least it gets you a chance to fill your position back in. And if it backs off to the next moving average below there, the 100 day at 54, 55K, I still think it's a buy. So for me, this Bitcoin pullback is healthy. Let's remember the thing rallied 33 percent in the course of a month. And that's the volatility that scares me. So that's the volatility I look to hedge. This is the volatility I look to participate in on the dip. My two cents in Bitcoin, and that's it. You know, Tony, like everything else, it's one of the things that you're so good at talking about, which is looking at risk assets across multiple time horizons, uh, being relatively uh, being relatively cautious, perhaps, uh, in the short term, but potentially bullish in the longer term. Yeah, this thing, you know, it, it looks fantastic. It's behaving perfectly for me. And so it was just interesting to see, you know, kind of the media go bad on it. Like, oh, my God, another high volatility, large magnitude pullback. And I'm like, the thing just rallied 33 percent in four weeks. That is a normal. So I think we'll start to see more price action like this. And I'm going to keep taking advantage of it as long as it falls into my lap. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for people, we've got some very experienced uh, people who watch this show, but also some people who are relatively new. Folks, this is the way that traders think. This is the way that traders talk when they think about uh, relative risk reward on particular assets. Uh, This is just the way it goes. Yeah, man. You know, the market is, um, 
fruitful right now, right? Breakouts win. When it looks like a breakout, smells like a breakout, and you buy it, and then it acts like a breakout and pays you for the next several weeks, I mean, you know, it's almost getting to the point where it's getting a little bit easy, where I don't mind saying, you know, we're due to get punched in the nose. We're due for a, I don't really know what's going to cause it, high volatility event that causes a two or three steep day pullback. Of course, I want to welcome that. But sometimes when, um, you know, you're kind of hitting all your targets in the shooting gallery, you decide to sort of just take a break. And so we might be getting a little bit toward that point. But as the S&P gets closer and closer to 5K, I mean, I think it's okay to let some stock out, but as long as you figure out what sectors are still rallying and can stay with the market, I think that's the way you get paid, man. Yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, speaking of targets to hit, I want to do something that's really interesting here. This is a, a clip from uh, Jim Bianco uh, speaking with Rob Arnott, godfather of Smart Beta, one of our favorite guests here at Real Vision. Let's take a look at the clip. Part of it is probably Fed accommodation and a large chunk of it is narrative that the marketplace embraces the notion that uh, tech provides the new nirvana and that uh, tech companies will dominate the world. Uh, of course, they're brilliant disruptors, but disruptors get disrupted and people forget that. Um, the big issue and the really interesting part is that value relative to growth has gotten cheaper and cheaper and cheaper by any measure, price to book, price to sales, price earnings, you name it, and has gotten cheaper by a wider margin than its underperformance. So to be specific, if you use the classic Fama French from 2007 to the last summer, summer of 2020, value underperformed growth by 5,800 basis points. Huge, but it got cheaper relative to growth by 7,000 basis points, even bigger, which means that if it was priced the same as it was in 2007 relative to growth, that value would have beat growth, which also means that the underlying fundamentals of value were getting better relative to growth. And so the value effect is alive and well. There you have it, the great Rob Arnott. Some really fascinating points. Disruptors get disrupted too. Uh, and also this idea of the divergence and constant interplay between value and growth. Tony, any thoughts on that? You know, actually, I respect uh, you know hearing it and listening to it, but I have to say I don't I I can't attach to it only because I've never been a valuation trader, so I, it's just not my sandbox. It's something that I like to just listen to and try to understand the nuance, but it's not really something that I play. Yeah, a lot of sandboxes here to play in at Real Vision. One of the reasons that I find it so interesting is because on any given day, you can see something like a deep dive conversation about valuations uh, with someone like Rob and Jim Bianco, and then uh, a conversation with you, just traders, trader talk, which we're going to get to right now. Questions actually piling in a ton of them. The first one comes to us from Hugh M. This is from the exchange. This is Real Vision's internal uh, social media network. This is a great question, and someone who obviously knows a great deal about what you talk about, Tony. He hits on two points that we touch on earlier today and ties them together. DXY, he says, continues to climb, much of uh, which is on the back of a weaker euro. Uh, has this altered or given you pause on your commodity trade? Oh, good question. You, um, The way I look at this, commodities are not flinching, right? If it was a case where we saw the dollar index rally 85 basis points like we did last week and... <gasps> 
the commodity index fell through the floor. You know, oil was off ten dollars, gold fell fifty bucks, copper fell a hundred bucks. I would be concerned. But what I'm noticing is that we've been noticing this for a long time now during this BCOM rally. When the dollar is strong, you look over and the BCOM is hanging in there. When the dollar is consolidating, the BCOM is starting to rally and picking its head up. And when the dollar sells off, the commodities explode. So it's one of those, you know, it's one of those sort of, I call it like a ratchet ball case where, you know, the, the, the commodity trend is really the overriding trend here. And I think that has to do with a weakening dollar. But what it really just has to do with the liquidity spigot, you know, I mean, we're still um, expanding the Fed balance sheet. We're still in that mode where we're inflating assets. And as the S&P continues to show, as it scratches a new all-time high as we speak. But as long as that mechanism is still in place where the dollar can rally and the commodity index doesn't get walloped, that's a sign of strength to me. That's like a tell in a poker game. Yeah. We're expanding the balance sheet maybe a tiny bit slower this month uh, than we did last, but still with the taper, still the balance sheet expanding uh, pretty dramatically. We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's get right back to the top analysis of today's markets. Here's a question. Uh, that comes to us from AP from Red Bank, New Jersey. This one's from the Real Vision site. Uh, and maybe it requires a little bit of explanation. The question is, Tony, how much more blood can be squeezed from this flattening trade? The flattening trade, of course, uh, is the rise in short-term yields coming up toward the belly of the curve, uh, what looks like a flattening of the yield curve. Tony, any thoughts on the flattening trade? Well, yeah, I do have some thoughts. I've been in shock at how the <laughs> equity market has hung in during the certain parts of the curved flattening. I'll have to say that because one of the clear dynamics on this rally was that we had the curve widening out, looking for more inflation and more of a cyclical recovery. In the last several weeks, when the dollar has rallied and rates have been volatile, but generally within this range, you're right, we've seen the curves backing off, but we've seen break-evens widen out and break out after a long consolidation period. And that was another factor that was taking place while the equity market was launching off of that March low. So we've got a little bit of a conflict between break-evens and the curve. I will admit that I am not a smart enough treasury guru to interpret that. But if I can look at that and be, I guess, as an inflation position trader, I can be excited by the five-year break-evens rallying, disappointed by the curves flattening, but the curve flattening doesn't seem to be scaring anybody out of the risk markets. So if the curves flattening and yields are rising, so I guess that's a bull flattener, uh, excuse me, a bear flattener in treasuries, that sounds like an environment the equities markets can survive. So you really, as long as, as long as you know it's all systems go and as long as you've got break-evens breaking out, I'm not going to get too caught up about the bond market curve if it's not crushing my trades on the spot. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, this one comes to us from Ralph Humphrey 
from Real Vision's website. The question is, aluminum has pulled back from the October highs. Where does Tony see it going from here? And also, Tony, if you have any thoughts about other metals, presumably base metals on this trade. Yeah, sure. The aluminum is at the center of my radar screen. As you can see, is a big pullback on the screens today. Just pulling back, though, to the 200-day moving average. So this, to me, is still indicative that aluminum is in constructive shape probably pulling back today. It's finally just sort of giving in to another day of strong dollar action. But what I see generally is that it sort of fell down the stairs from the peak into 200 DMA support. It, now it's going to kind of do the moving average bobbling and sort of consolidate until it really gets strong direction bid, you know, and I think it'll be a directional bid exactly when the dollar sort of dynamically backs off. I think we'll see aluminum rise again and potentially drive the base metals complex. You know, it feels like copper is still range bound, but I think if the, if the dollar backs off, I think copper takes off again. You know, we're still walking into this world of, you know, building out all of the call it electronic vehicle, you know, platforms, et cetera, et cetera. And we're still going to need a lot more copper, aluminum and base metals to do that. So it's really easy for me to keep the bull flag up in the base metal trade. And as long as aluminum is hovering above the 200 day moving average, I'm going to keep a positive um, outlook on it. And it's going to have to really, really do some damage below that average, which is around 2,500 as we speak. So I would need to see several closes below that price and continued selling to throw in the towel and aluminum. Otherwise, you got to stick with the base metals on the dip. Nothing about the London Metals Exchange Index, the broad LMEX um, base metals ETF has shown any signs of weakening. So I can, as, as a conglomerate, I'm bullish base metals. Yeah. Talking of metals, Tony, let's shift gears here just a little bit from base metals to precious metals. Gold off on the day, about two-thirds of a point uh, a percent. Looking right now, look like 1849, 18, right, about 1850 uh, off on the day. Obviously, not a pretty one-day chart. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, gold's interesting. Ash, you know, it's something that I'm not playing um, as an inflation hedge just because I've discovered several other ones, including Bitcoin, that perform a lot better and have performed exponentially better over the period that inflation really took hold. So I'm going to stick with cryptocurrency over gold. Um, gold, last sale, um, I think it just got the gold bulls really excited. It broke above all major moving averages, You know, reaches a high of what, around 1880 today, and then sort of gets back into character of sliding 40, 50, 60 dollars at a time and nobody really having a good reason for that. You know, it's really detached itself from the real rates trade. It's detached itself from the commodity trade. It's detached itself from the inflation trade. It's down a couple of percent on the year. And I, no matter what, I can't get excited about that heading into the fourth quarter. I just can't. Yeah. Uh, well framed, Tony. Uh, as we come to the end, once again, we've blown through 30 minutes in record time. Uh, final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave the audience with. Yeah, so I guess we should pick up where we left, uh, you know, leave off where we picked up rather with the dollar index, right? And if the dollar, it, look, the dollar doesn't really trade in straight line like it's been trading, right? Last week's 80 basis point rally was massive. Granted, it probably knocked a lot of shorts out of the box. Coming into this week, another 70 basis points, you know, already the dollar is way over its skis. So I do think that with the market dynamic pullback in the dollar, you're going to see this energy complex, the base metal complex, and maybe even precious metals get back on their feet. Because there still seems to me that, the, that this infrastructure bill in terms of timing, 
was just to sell the fact event for a lot of uh, dynamics in the inflation trade. And if it's a sell the fact event and base metals wind up holding in, Bitcoin holds this dip, oil holds the dip, natural gas holds the dip, and the dollar backs off, I'm going to look for blue sky trading for the commodity complex again. And then stocks, forget about it. Stocks are still the best inflation hedge in the, uh, on the board. Um, there is no alternative. That trade, the Tina trade, is still alive right now. And while, you know, what's amazing is while the, there is no alternative trade is still alive, we're finding that there are a lot of alternatives like NFTs that are coming to life. And it feels like because people really just are getting rid of fiat currency in, in various different forms, right? People are willing to take you know, the, um, their own licensed JPEG off the internet in exchange for greenbacks. And as long as that thing is the only one that, you know, that NFT can belong exclusively to them, they're happily handing over the Ethereum or greenbacks for it. So to me, this is a little bit of a, uh, you know, it's still a fiat currency, you know, fire sale, despite the fact that the dollar is rallying, if that's fair to say. So I'm kind of looking for a couple of dynamics in, uh, to come into play here. Actually, I may have complicated that a little bit, but that's my story. No, very interesting. And we're going to continue to follow all of those trends, pull on all of those trends right here uh, every Tuesday on Real Vision Daily Briefing. Tony Greer, thanks again. A great show. Great show, Slash. Way to keep us um, on the markets here. Great job. Awesome. Uh, once again, uh, thanks again for watching the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Uh, Maggie will be back tomorrow with Darius Dale. One more thing. We're taking over Vegas from December 9th through December 11th. Real Vision and MGM Resorts have joined forces to host a groundbreaking event on the biggest revolution since the internet. That's right, that's blockchain. At the iconic MGM Grand in Las Vegas, we'll be exploring blockchain's present and future, how it's taking over entire industries and worlds, from traditional finance to art, from gaming to music to banking, and so much more. Check it out, realvision.com forward slash MGM takeover. Once again, that's realvision dot com forward slash MGM takeover. Have a great afternoon, everybody. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.